Today on the Bill Kelly Show on AM 900 CHML. It's Friday. It's 11.34. That means Tech Talk. Brought to you by our good friends at Hamilton Limousine. Adam Oldfield, the president and CEO of FPM and FPM3 Marketing, is with us here in studio. Are you still getting set up? I, I, I'm almost live. Yes. Okay, we're on Facebook. I know. <laughs> we're, we're now live, yes. We're completely good. moving, and, and now there's lots of... Uh, I just got to make sure everybody can see us, right? So, you know, we got to have some... Uh, Got to have some 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 visuals here. In any the case comments? Of any it. comments on your Santa suit from last week? Uh, oh, lots actually. Some disappointments, I'm sure, will be this week because you know I've kind of toned it down now. I've gone to yeah, darks, but just bland old gray now. Don't worry, Santa suit's coming back next week, All so right. I got to wear it regularly on Fridays uh, starting in December. So next week I'll be back with my uh, with my suit specifically. All right, uh, out out of tragedy, we we talked about you know the terrible fires that are going on in California right now. And, uh, and it's horrific to see some of the pictures there and the devastation that's that's being caused. But some people, when they're being evacuated or just trying to get the hell out of there, are using GPS to try to find a way. Now, the nice thing about uh, having GPS is it's a great tool for you. The yep. problem is, is GPS doesn't always think. <laughs> and and uh, they don't take into account a natural disaster like That's this. Right. And it's causing some problems there. It's a real big problem. And you know what? This is The, the reason I brought this up is because California right now, they're sending, GPSers are sending everyone to the least traveled route. And so, you know, your GPS wants you to get to the destination the quickest. Well, what's missing is the problem is there could be forest it's, fires. It's or the s- least traveled route because it's on fire. Because everyone's avoiding it. And what it's doing is it's steering traffic directly into the problem. So the reason why I thought this was relevant as a story is that we use our GPSs and Google and Waz and and, and series and our maps constantly, it is so important right now that people maybe factor into when there's a winter storm, it may also factor that, you know, the police will shut down a road and as much as they notify the sources, you got to make sure you tune in to CHMLs because those are the ones that are going to get the most updates because uh, Google Maps, as much as they're integrated with a lot of the traffic, they still measure traffic based on cars tracking their speed. So it doesn't necessarily mean when a road is closed, it's available. So during winter storms, especially in the northern markets, it's interesting that we may be seeing the, A, make sure you get on the uh, on the highway 400 uh, and head up north keep that in mind when you guys are out there um, you know looking at options when you're using your traffic traveling and so forth it happened to us a few years ago and we were trying to come home from Blue Mountain after a weekend up there right and uh, I know I don't have GPS but uh, but one of the passengers in the car did and I thought okay I got to figure a way and uh, it sent us over to X Road anyway you get about half a mile down there and what they have up there and that anybody who's up there you've been up there in yeah, Collingwood yeah, Blue of course. Uh, they have big signs on the side of the road with flashing red lights <laughs> and <laughs> when those lights are flashing it says yep. this road is closed use okay. it at your own risk and if you have problems we're not coming to get you right uh, it's pretty ominous the warning but GPS doesn't know that no and it, it sent us down that road and I said <laughs> we're not going that way I'm not going down that roads yes you want to keep and, this and in it, mind it, yeah. so he's trying to reprogram the gps and they keep saying no go this way no <laughs> we're not going this way that's right. and try not to program your gps while you're on the road okay yeah. just remember that well i wasn't like, no it was it was he was yeah. a passenger okay right. i was right, doing the why. driving all right so he's he's yelling at the phone and it took us a little while to get home that day that's right so be warned about that the that's gps right. is a great tool but it, it like you say there's always other factors involved in this stuff too yeah. I got to get you to talk about this Bitcoin craze that's going on now. This is insanity. <laughs> it's gone nuts. And you know what? It's It was funny. I was speaking with my friend in Switzerland today, and we were having this conversation pertaining to uh, the Bitcoin market. And I had a I had a little challenge with him. 
in regards to what I thought the value of Bitcoin was. And I said, it's never going to break 10, never going to break $10,000. And boy, am I ever eating crow. And the reason why I'm eating crow was back in 2010, there was a time when I actually had some Bitcoins of my own. I ended up thinking they were worthless and I used it to pay off somebody as a, as a trade deal and, and some programming. They are now worth $19,000 US trading in Korea, 15,000, give or take right now in the US and claims of it going up to 25,000. So, you know, let's, let me just go over this because I get a lot when, and maybe you do as well, Bill, what is a Bitcoin? And there's a lot of speculation as to what exactly is a Bitcoin, right? A lot so, of people still have no idea. And, and I've done a couple of shows on it and <laughs> I'll have somebody come on here. And I, I had this discussion with Nick Bottas about a year ago okay, too. Yeah, and, yeah. and and I was kind of went right over my head. <laughs> <laughs> what is a Bitcoin? A Bitcoin is an encrypted currency, which basically is an algorithm that's got a perceived understanding of value. So think of it as a line of code. When you look at something and you're like, I don't get what that means. 116655AEG. It almost looks like the very, very long, long, long password. That is a descriptive of what a Bitcoin would look like, but it's an encrypted source of, of, of coin currency, if you will. And so there were only so many, what's making it so valuable is there's only a limited amount. And that's, what's critical is that think of it as there's only so much money in the mint. We're not making any more. So all of a sudden this value of this currency now becomes extremely more valuable. Well, there is a couple other currencies on the market, and these currencies are uh, Ethereum. There's all sorts of different ones. The one that I thought was relevant, and it started five days ago. Uh, I shared this with my daughters, my youngest, who's nine years old when I told her this. She's like, I got to do this, Dad. So kids are going to love this. It's called Crypto Kitty. Crypto Kitty. In Crypto Kitty, this is really kind of interesting. The way um, you get a Bitcoin, they call it mining. And what yeah. that does is mean it means you basically source through and, and, and use links and otherwise, and you basically earn a value of a cent or 0.00 of a cent, and you eventually will earn one Bitcoin. Well, in this case, Digital Kitties just launched from a company in Vancouver uh, five days ago. And the way it works is you sign up, connect with a kitty, you buy a, a virtual digital kitty. It looks like uh, uh, one of those, um, I can't remember that little game of the animal that used to buy, uh, uh, it was a big thing at Christmas. But anyway, you buy a digital cat. And when you are when you have this cat, you nurture the kitty. You then be able to grow your kitty and introduce it to maybe more kitties that you can buy. And those kitties now create more uh, kittens. Well, every kitten that's made now has a value. And so what's happening is your digital kitty will now be able to be used as a currency. So you'll be able to actually use digital kitties in, a, in this cryptocurrency of a digital kitty will now give you the capability of being able to share a revenue. Now, this is interesting because... Well, it's their introduction to Bitcoin. It is. It's a version of, a, of, a, of an electronic currency allowing you to trade and, and share with other individuals or, or, or sources. So I share this with everyone because if you want to search it, it's called Crypto Kitty. In less than five days, they've made $3 million. They've already jumped the value of a cat online that doesn't really exist except on a server uh, up to about, uh, I think, almost $1,500. So anyway, my daughter, I told my daughter because I like to talk tech with most of them. And my youngest, uh, my youngest basically loves cats, loves animals, loves horses. And so uh, Kelsey basically said, I want this. Hopped on the internet and tried to buy a, a crypto kitty right away. So anyway, the new wave is going to be almost like a game function that you'll be able to trade. In this case, will be a digital cat. All right. But where is this going? 
Because when you and I talked about this a couple of years ago, and I think I asked you at the time, is this going to become the financial currency of, of, yes. of commerce? And and back in those days, I don't think anybody did thought it was ever going to get to that point. I'm not so sure now. No, and and, and it is. It's it's becoming it's becoming basically the the the, the currency of world choice. Now the question we know that hackers use it. Hackers love it. It's you great know, when they're blackmailing somebody. You know, they usually they want to be paid in bitcoins. Well, because it's almost virtually untraceable. I mean, we spoke on the last show yeah. about IRS and CRAs all over this, and there's now rules. You got to claim when you earn a bitcoin or when you when you trade a bitcoin. So the the cryptocurrency is going to be a very very huge growth market now i share this with you but i also caution there is a i've had some friends unfortunately in a situation where they've invested in we're going to double your money using this new crypt uh, uh cryptid currency bitcoin and they coin they use the reference bitcoin but there's a lot of scams out there and please 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 be very careful don't just go investing in this I, i've had a few uh, unfortunate investor uh, uh interested parties and they've lost a lot of money investing in the wrong thing. All right, uh, let's get back to some of the other stuff here because we have a lot of stuff I want to get in here. Uh, let's talk about, we just talked about the, the, the impact on commerce. Yeah. Uh, and, and maybe one of the most influential aspects and one of the things that's been introduced into commerce right now are, is the now th- the 3D printer. Yes. Which business now takes as one of the most essential tools they can have. It, it is going to change and revolution. Last, already, already has. It already has. And it's going to revolutionize even more so. The next five years, Bill, it is going to be a real game changing when it comes to economics when, when it comes with tech. And I, I'm, I'm going to leap into craziness in a moment here. Imagine now when you buy a pair of shoes, you go to a store, you find your style, you fit the size, you put it on, you walk away. In 10 years or less, you will now get the app to download the Nike design, select your shoe option and then you will pay the rights for that patent to print and it will allow you to send it to your 3d printer which will customize and print your shoe right there in your home and you'll be able to wear it immediately as after it's printed that's the future and that is not a wow that sounds really crazy even beyond even back to the future no this is reality there is not going to be a factory out there there isn't going to be factories making multiple versions and sizes of, of shoes the way we see it today. It is going to alter everything when it comes to 3D printing. And as such, you can print shoes. You can print a watch. You'll be able to print all sorts of amazing stuff. I mean, they're talking right now. NASA has put a 3D printer in one of their space stations, and they don't have to stock parts anymore. So what they do is if they have a part go wrong, they just basically print a 3D printed part, replace it, and they'll be able to have it back up and running. So 3 3D printers are going to be changing. This one I thought was a bit of a sad, weird environment, but they've now created a 3D printed death chamber in the Netherlands, and you can now go through a series of tests to qualify your state of mind, and you can now create euthanasia by going into the chamber, it fills it with oxygen, passes out, and it more or less, and it looks like something from some video game, and it more or less will end your life and become a coffin. And you now have a chamber that will That's be... bizarre. It is. And this is not a simple point. This is not a, well, let's go select our coffins any longer. We're now going to print our death chamber, if you will. Um, you climb in, say goodbye, lock the switch, and rolls but, away. But with, as these things evolve, and as you mentioned, they've already started to evolve right now, 
what does this do to commerce? Because everything is going to be custom made from here on in. Everything will be uh, designed and made in a way that we as society will be able to pick and choose our cell phones and otherwise. The economy is going to alter in such a way when it comes to technology. The success of tomorrow, this by the way does not hinder a successful mark. This is going to create a new dynamic way of how commerce works worldwide. We just spoke about big uh, uh, bitcoins and, and electric currency and otherwise, that's how it's going to be paid. The second f- form of this is going to be products will be made for you. So you'll buy one physical product, which is the 3D printer. In this case, you'll be able to buy the products, whatever you want. You want to wa- buy a sweater. You want to buy a, wa- a watch, a technology product. You want to build a vase. Oh, we need more cups. You now would go to the store. Imagine that Amazon and Walmart are all over it. And instead of buying it, shipping it to you, you'll be able to actually order the design and print it directly on your uh, in your printer and keep it with you. Yes. What about Facebook for kids? Well, <laughs> well okay. Well, boy, you're just segueing into a whole different oh, yeah. market, are you? Uh, Facebook is definitely losing its market share. If you can believe two million, two billion people is not enough for a little organization. Yeah, hardly to operate. anybody uses it anymore. No, right? no, it's it's definitely a dying breed. Yeah, nobody's on it right now. I mean, heck, all the people watching even on our show right now is is, is got to be limited, right? Well, Facebook is really, and I mentioned this before, they want this little environment everyone's living and and and, and experiencing in. Facebook has now created a messenger that is not connected to having a Facebook account. It does not connect to actually having a page. And it's basically Facebook for kids in a friendly environment that parents can control and monitor and gives them the opportunity to be able to grow within the Facebook environment. Why is that important? Well, of course, there won't be any advertising for the children. That much they've claimed because it's about safety. It's about connecting with others and being able to have access to, uh, you know, children programs, uh, internet and otherwise. So they want it. So when you migrate and they get older, they have something that everyone's climatized into an environment they don't want to leave. So Facebook is quite genius with this idea to build their audience for the future. You've talked about competition in the tech field. Yeah. Uh, none greater than than the battle. And this is a gargantuan battle between yeah. Amazon and Google. This is getting serious. And this is something I thought was relevant, and I'm sure everyone's heard in the news, basically. If you've got an, an, an Amazon uh, Fire tablet or an Amazon electronic product, you have basically been shut off from YouTube, which is the second largest search engine in the market. Why would Google shut off YouTube? By the way, this is a pure example of net neutrality coming into effect without the government's involvement. But this is something of which they're capable of doing because there's a lot of debate. Amazon just filed a patent, a new patent that I think really is kind of genius. And that patent is going to be, they are now uh, allowing for uh, video reviews. And the patent allows for products to have a video review where we can now comment versus writing it. You can now video your information to say, I love this product, here's how it works. This is the how-to. Uh, if you're installing something, how to fix something, it's right now you go to YouTube. You buy it from Amazon, yeah, go to YouTube. Yeah. Amazon patented, which is interesting, this patent didn't exist, the right to have a review and an instructional video within the shopping environment itself. Makes perfect sense. Google is obviously threatened. This whole battle came into play because uh, Amazon will not sell any Google products. So Google Home, Google Pixel phones, Google Glasses. Amazon has said, sorry, we will not sell your products in our environment. Google's retaliation is 
you've patented a video that's going to compete with us, and now we were, we're trying to get YouTube uh, TV up and running. Well, how would you like it if we just shut this off? So now all of a sudden your Amazon users, which now no longer can use YouTube within an Amazon environment, can now access this information. So this is... I don't know how they're going to solve it because I'm not sure. Well, how do consumers deal with this? Well, this yeah, they're caught in the middle. It's caught in the middle, but really, at the end of the day, you just don't use an Amazon product. And and with all due respect, Amazon doesn't have a lot of hardware in the market that is utilizing a YouTube uh, a piece. It's really about Amazon needing Google than Google needing Amazon. But this plays a bit of a different dynamic in a whole, and we're getting into business versus tech, but Google's partnership with the Walmart online, no longer the Walmart store, but Google's partnered with Walmart. And this is now this, who's climbing to be that new leader? Amazon is the number one shopping network right now online. Uh, Amazon is struggling to get its feet back on the ground. Google is trying to get into the entertainment business. In the meantime, we've got a Netflix over here and Amazon Prime is trying to now sell their products and they are starting to capture a lot of that market share with their Prime. Prime is including music. Prime is including video and your shopping environment. The future of Amazon, according to what I've read, is it's going to be your new Google search. So when you want to find information about history, same thing we use Google for, you can now go to Amazon, which by the way is what Facebook was trying to get everybody to try and do in the meantime. So there is a battle of three companies right now, all fighting to get as much as uh, attention as they can from the consumer. And at the end, Google wants their ad revenue, but they're going to want to get into the purchase side. Amazon has the purchase. They want the ad revenue. And all of it is, is basically now coming together. But again, it's going to leave for some very difficult choices for consumers because it's got to have to be one at, at the exclusion of the other two. Yes. Or you now have an Android and an Apple product, and you can now have your tablet or your computer, and you'll be able to interact, and that will basically alleviate that challenge. That's going to be right now the solution for the for, for the point, but the consumer technically is, I don't think it's really too much of an issue at the current moment, but if it was reversed and Google, uh, Amazon was not to be found at all through Google, I think we'd hear a lot more arguments if people were basically trying to do that. All right, what's this one, Google and this, uh, this supercomputer? Well, we talked about artificial intelligence and, yes. you know, Elon Musk is, uh, you know, he commented not too long ago about the fear of artificial intelligence really being a problem in the future. He's concerned about what's going to happen. In this case, I actually have to side with Elon Musk because I love AI. It has, I haven't figured it out with my Android or Siri yet. It's not that smart, but Google supercomputer actually has created a brainchild of itself and it would more or less create the ability to search and identify uh, images, items. We talked about now in Google Photos, it will say, hey, is this you? Is that your aunt? Is that your cousin? Is that your kid? Well, now Google's taking it even a level further where it's building children of itself. And it's more or less creating a ability to teach itself, hey, no, you got that wrong. You now need, and Google is almost building a little artificial intelligence that recognizes real-time video. So it's getting to a level where uh, we're giving Google all this information. I think we spoke about before. What's our privacy including? Well, yeah, now yeah. it knows where we're going, where we're traveling, where we're buying, what we're searching for, what we're watching. I mean, until Amazon and them sort it out, they'll know all that detail as well. But Google supercomputer is basically taking all this information, putting an algorithm together to kind of understand what we like and what we don't like. And now it's identifying it even further with this little child, I'll call it an AI child, that will now identify photos and video in real time so when you look at a video versus me saying, hey, Bill, what am I looking at? 
the computer will tell me what I'm looking at. You're looking at a sunset in Tahiti. There is uh, a bottle of scotch sitting on a table, and it looks like Mr. Smith is there who traveled and arrived yesterday at 3.10 p.m. on flight AC-964. Wow. We thought the HAL computer in Space Odyssey was intrusive. This is this way is, worse. Yeah, this, this is, is way worse, yes. Tech Talk, we do this every Friday, 1135, with Adam Oldfield from FPM and FPM3 Marketing, brought to you by Hamilton Limousine. We'll see you next week. Thank you, Bill. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.